Well, again, uh, I want to extend my good mornings to you as well, and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving is an interesting weekend, right? We have turkey, stuffing, and gravy. <laughs> gravy. Like, whoever invented gravy, genius, all right? Gravy, if you don't do gravy everywhere, there's something wrong with you, all right? So gravy should be, like, even on the salad, doesn't matter. It's so good, right? Gravy is just amazing. You can drink it, um, whatever it is. But gravy, and then obviously you fill it up with pie, right? You wash everything down with pie. Pumpkin pie, so excited for that uh, today. Uh, but happy Thanksgiving to you. But any holiday is actually really like, interesting uh, from both sides, both perspectives, right? Like so, so some are incredibly thankful. They're joyous. They're, they're rejoicing over the, the many blessings that we've received over the years, and uh, into the future, the looking into what we have. We're going to talk a little bit about that, that future inheritance that we get. But every weekend like this one, especially holidays, tend to uh, remind us of the things that we have lost and the things that are broken in this world as well. And, and so we have, obviously, community, as many of you know, that some have lost uh, loved ones uh, as recently as this last week. And so we want to pray for those both sides, that, that we'd be incredibly thankful, but also that we'd be praying for those loved ones that we want to care for, and the Smith family in, uh, specifically just tonight, today. So let's just bow your heads and let's pray. Uh, Jesus, I thank you so much for all that you've done for us. I thank you that we can be thankful, that we can, our hearts can be filled with joy because of your Holy Spirit that indwells in us and that we can be rejoicing over all the blessings that we've been given. But we also reach out and we want to intercede for those others that are in our body that are hurting and that are broken and um, have relationships now that um, are essentially separated. One is in the eternal and one is still here in the present. So I just pray for those, uh, specifically Corey and Linda and their kids and, and the extended family, Lord, for uh, just the loss that they've experienced over the, this last week and in a bit. And so just pray for them, that you encourage them, that, that you will be their comfort, that we too will come alongside them and mourn with them, weep with them, rejoice with them, and continue to point to our true and loving Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, before we get started, let me uh, read. And so please rise. This is going to be a regular practice for us. So please rise as we read God's word together. You can see it on the screen. You can follow along. And at the end of our reading, I'm going to say, this is the word of God. And you are going to repeat as one. All right? See if you can do this really good. All right? As one. You want to practice? Okay. Three, two, one. All right. Some people said as one. But that... That's good. We won't name any names, Josh. All right, so, all right, so for, I'll read the text, and then I'll say that. So in honor of God's word, we stand, we humble ourselves before him. In you, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Thanks be to God. Oh, this is the word of God. I was just tricking. This is the word of God. Nice. Now you can be seated. Awesome. Well done. As you can see, we're still in practice of this. If you're new here, welcome. 
Uh, this is a family church. Obviously, we love one another. We want to grow as a family together and grow in the likeness of Jesus. And so welcome. It's so great to have you on this long weekend uh, with us. Thank you for choosing the shore. And if you are here on YouTube, welcome. All right. So if you're watching sometime this week, uh, it's great to have you as well joining us. This is an impactful passage for us, uh, as you can see. But um, yeah, so as a way of reminder, we're in the book of Ephesians. So if you're new here and you need a Bible, you can grab one at the desk and grab one of those, and that's our gift to you. But also, if you're new or if you are a part of the shore, please have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, if it's whether it's on app or either hard copy, please turn that to Ephesians chapter 1, because I really want our faces in there to see what the text is saying to us today. It's such an important passage. Uh, and, uh, but just as a way of reminder, two weeks ago we talked about the Father's possession uh, for, uh, from, well, the spiritual possession from the Father two weeks ago, and we, we learned that the Father, uh, God the Father chose us from before the foundations of the world, that he loved us, that he predestined us for adoption into his family by way of creating us holy and blameless through his son, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross for our payment, right? And we talked about last week, redemption is a freeing by payment, right? A freeing by payment. And he paid this payment through his blood sacrifice for us. And we also learned about the Father's grace in all of this. And today we're going to discover a little bit of what the spiritual possession from the Holy Spirit. And that three, those three points that we're going to hit today are the first is hear and believe out of this text, hear and believe. Secondly, sealed. And then thirdly, future inheritance. So as we get into that, let's bow our heads once again and pray. Uh, for our time together. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the Redeemer, that you are our salvation, that you are the truth, that you are uh, our true and eternal Redeemer. Father, I thank you for choosing us before the foundation of the world, for loving us, for adopting us into your family. And as we learned last week also that, that you, through your mystery of your, your will, that you uniting all things back to your family. And uh, now, Holy Spirit, we, we want to learn from you, and we want to worship you and praise your, your holy name. And I pray that you'll soften our hearts, awaken us to what your text says in the scripture, and awaken our hearts to who you are and, and how we are to worship you and be thankful for you. And we praise your name, Jesus, in these things. Amen. Well, uh, just... Again, as a reminder, uh, an important reminder, we haven't really hit this yet, but in your Bible, I really want to teach us as, as one, of your, one of your pastors here how to read essentially Scripture and how to see those um, points of Scripture that repeat themselves over and over and over again. And there's something that we haven't actually touched yet, but as a reminder, Paul was an apostle, an apostle of Jesus Christ, remember, called by Jesus to go into the Gentile nation to preach to the Gentile people. That's anyone outside of the Jewish nation. So this was what Paul was called to, to go out as an apostle of Jesus Christ to preach to the Gentile nation. That means every one of us. Every one of us. And then he was called to be a missionary, to teach, to shepherd a lost people that God the Father has adoption plans for. 
And so I want to take a look again at verses 1 through 12 really quickly. You can follow along in your Bible. So start in verses 1 through 12 really quickly. It's on the screen if you don't have a Bible. I'm just going to read it really fast and highlight just by my voice. And maybe it's going to be on the screen. No, that's fine. Just by my voice. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. What an amazing text to look at. And so we have we, our, us, constantly being repeated over and over. This is Paul speaking to his people, the Jewish nation. And then there's a switch here. There's a shift. Look at our text again. It's on the screen and in your Bibles. It says, in him you. In him you also. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. See, the subtle shift from the us and our language to the you needs to be hit really quickly uh, as a way of reminder. Paul, as an apostle of Christ Jesus, was preaching to the Jews, but strictly, well, more so to the Gentile people. He, he was called as an apostle to go out to the Gentile nation to preach to them. And this was a, a word of no exclusion, excluding no one. God is a God that want, does not want to exclude anyone. He wants to invite in. Remember it, last week we learned about the mystery of God's will was to unite, unite all things back to him, to his eternal holy family. So no one is excluded by their race. So we don't stand at the door here at the Shore Church and, and just and allow specific people by their race to enter into this Shore Church. We don't stand there and, and watch if it's a male or a female entering into the Shore Church. No one is excluded. We don't stand at the door, and we won't stand at the door, and if turn away people that don't wear masks. We won't turn away people that uh, wear masks. We won't turn away people that are vaccinated. We won't turn away people that are unvaccinated. We are the church. We are wanting to unite all things back to God's kingdom. We want to love people as God has loved us perfectly and beautifully, uniting us back to heaven and all the things in heaven and earth. 
This is God's job, and we are called to, you, to imitate him. So Jesus walked this earth and touched the leper, touched them. Jesus touched the broken and the hurting. So no one is excluded if you have sinned, if you're a bully, a drunkard, or have sold your body into a form of slavery like prostitution, you are welcome here. We are not to divide over these matters, but like God, fight for unity of all things in heaven and on earth. For this is what God the Father has done through God the Son, bringing us back to the eternal family of God. We are called all together, Jew and Gentile, offered redemption by the blood of Jesus, and our task is to image him in this world, to reach out our hand and touch, and to shake hands, and to love the people around us. And in specific times, sure, we fist bump or elbow bump, for sure, but we love them. Look again at our text, and here's our first point, the how. How are we to do this? How are we to receive this amazing gift? We're to hear it and believe it. We're to hear it and believe it. Look again at the verse 13. It says, in him you also, when you heard, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. There's a hearing and then an action upon what you heard, right? You heard it and then you action out that belief. So either you have an opportunity to believe this or not believe it. That's really your choice in this matter. So first, what is the word of, so we'll get to that in a second, but what is the word of truth, the gospel of salvation? What is this word of truth? Remember in John, the book of John, right at the beginning, the word became flesh, right? And that is Jesus. This truth is Jesus. So truth is something we all love, right? We all love it. We hate getting lied to, right? Like Dale's lie right now, like when he did announcements, that was horrible, right? His lying that he actually paid for everybody, that was crazy, <laughs> right? The lying that he paid for everybody at Starbucks. That, we, we get hurt by lies. We get hurt by these things. And everybody loves truth. Like everybody, you can't argue that. Everybody loves truth. Even the criminal, the hardened, of most hardened criminal loves truth. Okay, right? Like if you're, a, if you're a police officer in an undercover crime ring, you got there because you lied, right? You, you were tricking, you were deceiving people, which is a lie. You were de being deceptive into get into that undercover crime ring. And what happens when you get found out? The crime ring hates it. Why? Because they got lied to. While they're doing criminal activity, they, got, they were hating the fact that they got lied to, right? Everyone hates being lied to, and this text is saying the word of truth. This is not some man's truth. This is God saying, this is the word of truth. So we need to dig into it. We need to find out what is this word. It's a powerful statement. It is saying with confidence, this is true and has the power to save you. So we need to do our due diligence to find out what this truth is. This truth is not, like I said, a man's truth, but God. And he wants it proclaimed to the Gentile nation. Well, even that brought debate amongst the first leaders of the church, right? There's debate because the Jewish nation thought this was their word. This was their God. They're not to share their God with anybody. 
And they had a massive debate over this, and you can see it in Acts chapter 15 and verse 7. This, this is the, the kind of the closed end part of the debate. It says, this is Peter, and, and after there had been much debate, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. There was a debate, much debate. Like, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but there was, there was a lot of debate about whether or not the good news was for anyone outside the Jewish community. They debated this a ton. You can read this more in Acts 15, but Paul was there as well, debating these things, essentially fighting so that the message of Jesus would go out because he was transformed by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He was awakened to this fact, and Jesus spoke the calling into his heart, saying, I want you to go out into the nations of the Gentile nation and preach me because I want to welcome them. I want to unify them into my family. And just the fact that we're all sitting here, we know that Paul and Peter, the other disciples that were in those debates, won the debate, right? We're here talking about Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So let me unpack the word gospel for a moment. You see, this is not just a Christian term. This is just gospel simply just means good news. So it never originated in the church, but it was actually back in the war times when, when there was like a kingdom on this side. This side of the pole, there's this huge kingdom. Here there's this war going on. And so the, this kingdom would send out his army out here and there would be a war and there was this runner that would run back and forth the high-speed internet of the day. So that's good, right? High speed, they're running back and forth, telling what's going on. And when the war is over, when the, the redemption for this people, remember redemption is the payment, by payment of freedom. So redemption happened for this people because the war was over and the payment was the warriors fighting to the death for their freedom. The runner would run back and yell and proclaim gospel, gospel. Good news, good news. Your redemption is accomplished. See, the word of truth and the gospel, good news of our salvation is, that, is what we have covered over the last few Sundays. It is already done for you. The victory of your eternal soul is accomplished by way of Jesus' blood shed for you. He paid your redemption by his sacrifice accomplishing this task through his blood. See, the apostle's task then, our task then, is to be a runner, is to be a proclaimer. And last week I challenged you to evangelize, just to proclaim, just to share good news, good news with your neighbor, your friends. And I hope and some of us took on that task. And again, that task is again this week. It never stops. Again, all done through grace, you see this in Ephesians, but also at the end of the debate in Acts 15, verse 11, it says, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. And Peter says, just as they will, just as the Gentile will. And this bounces us back into our Ephesians text, the just as they will are the you in our text, the Gentile nation. So the gospel is Jesus' life, Death and resurrection by grace offered to us freely. 
Friends, if you have been listening, you know now what the word of truth is and you also have heard it because I just proclaimed it. You just heard the gospel. The gospel of truth, you just heard it in your ears. Now it's up to you. Are you going to believe it? And that's our next task, the believe. That's the next word in our, in our study through this book. It's the word believe. So the obvious question then is, do you believe the good news, the gospel? Just to be crystal clear, the good news is Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He is the truth. And do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the only way to heaven? Like every one of us has to battle this and ask this question. Do I truly believe that Jesus is Lord? Like every one of us has to ask that question to ourselves. So this is on you. Are you willing to soften your heart to believe what the Lord is offering you or are you unwilling to let go of your wants, desires, and motives of your heart? You're just holding on. Right? The wants and desires might look like this. They might look like drink, like going home and having a beer or going home and maybe consuming two, three, four beers after work. And that is, that is where I find my comfort. Yes, I believe in Jesus, but this is where I find my comfort. I think you're, you're fooling yourself. Maybe it's drugs. Like there was a, there was a moment and... Uh, in, in, in my last ministry that I was doing, it was right when I started actually, and I was in the back room and this, this guy comes to me, he was actually on the drums that Sunday morning. And he comes to me and he goes, Jerry, I can't play drums today. And I was like, what do you mean you can't play drums today? He's like, I'm totally high right now. And I was like, okay, let's talk more about it. Is there anything, like what, what are you going, like what are you high on? He's like, cocaine. And I was like, okay, tell me more about what's going on. And he tells me more of the story, and I go, do you have any more on you? And he goes, yeah. I was like, give it to me. And I tell you, he put his hand in his pocket, and it took from that time he put his hand in his pocket to drop that in my hand, took about two minutes. Like, that's a long time if you think. Like, this takes about, what, three seconds? It took about two minutes for him to go from here, and he was just shaking. And when he let go of that finally in my hand, and I was just watching him the whole time, and it was, he, he was just focused on this. And he just dropped in his hand, and he backed off, and he was like, oh my goodness, that was hard to do. And I was like, I could tell. And I put it in my pocket, and I, we ended up talking for the next hour about just like the release of these things, the release, the letting go of. And man, this guy he changed his life completely, and that was a turning point for him. It was such a blessing to walk with this man. Such a blessing. Friends, it might be friends that lead you away from the Lord. It might be simple as Instagram. And the scrolling through, the incessant scrolling through picture after picture after picture and seeing what your heart is doing. Like, check your heart on that. Like, see if it actually is drawing you in. If you can't pick up your phone and just hit that app, or if it's already open and you're just constantly looking through it. Or if it's Snapchat or something. Is that your comfort? Is that what you're running to for joy or for release or for just to fill in some kind of weird void in your day? Is that what we run to? Then we need to realize our, we're not actually running to Christ, our true Redeemer. 
and we're choosing something else. Maybe it's pornography. Like years of it. And you just can't seem to battle this anymore. And you've just given in. I've had too many conversations with men that have gone through, and I know women have battled this as well, so I know it's a mutual battle between men and women for sure, but often my conversations are with men, and it's, it's like 20 years, 20 years of enslavement. You're no different from many of these stories in the Scripture, hundreds of years of slavery. But there's a Redeemer for you, And it starts with confession. It starts with bringing these things forward. Church, I am not immune to any one of these things. I do not want you to think because I'm on this stage that I'm immune from any one of these things. We all battle this together. That's why I love the fact that this is a family church. Let's get together and hang out and confess these things things to each other and be open and honest with each other. Finally, just get open and honest. We all battle these things. We're all sinners, fallen short of a God's perfection. And are you willing to do, and this is what I said to this guy when he handed over this, and I ended up flushing that thing, just so you know. Uh, so, just to finish that story, or Dale's going to come up next week and tell announcements. Uh, but I want you to choose, not worry about tomorrow, because the Bible says tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Not worry about yesterday, but today. And just say, no, I'm going to choose Jesus today. Just start today. One of the wisest counselors I know, he said, he said you know what, when you start looking at all your things, it looks overwhelming. Like overwhelming to the point you just get so frustrated you can't do anything. But he said, just look at things for today. And you'll actually have a list of maybe three Maybe four things, like legit things for today. It's not so overwhelming anymore. And today I'm going to worship Jesus Christ. And then when you wake up in the morning, you go, today I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. And it's a lot easier when you just work on the day and God is setting this up for us. So do it for the sake of Jesus' glory and the grace the Father bestowed on you. Can we just be honest in this? So for those who are still fighting against believing this runner's message, if you don't believe, what are you hardening your heart to? What are you still hardening your heart to? Like, could it be something you don't yet want to get let go of? Like, uh, there's this woman in my community group uh, years ago, and, and I, I probably counseled her for about a year and a half. And finally got her to the point to come to community group. She started fellowshipping with us about eight months in community group. And there was this one time, like, everybody was just loving on everybody. And it was such a beautiful moment. And she was sitting beside me and just tapped me on the leg and said, can, we, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, absolutely. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes. And this girl was hard as hard. Like, I've never seen her cry before. Like, a crazy story. And uh, tears in her eyes and just goes, Jared, I don't know if I can have what you guys have. And I was like, what do you mean? I just don't want to let go of these things that I'm holding on to yet. And th- these are, this is the instruction I get, just like keep fighting. Like you're in a battle right now, so you have to keep fighting, keep seeking out Jesus. You're witnessing the love of Christ. 
You're witnessing the love that people have for you for the first time in your life. Keep fighting. Instead of choosing this thing that gives you really ultimately nothing. And unfortunately, she chose that. Could it be an aspect of control that you're not believing in your true and loving Savior? Could it be as simple as I don't want something else to pay for what I have done? I've heard that too on the construction site. Just this bold, prideful guy is like, you know what, I, th- I, I believe all of this stuff, Jerry, you're saying about the gospel and about Jesus. I just can't have someone else pay for what I've done. I was like, that's the whole point. Like, you can't pay for it. And he's like, oh, I just can't let that go. So maybe that's you here today too. There's absolutely nothing wrong with these questions, friends. There's nothing wrong with having questions, but there comes a point where you have to actually back away, keep those questions for sure, but back away and look at all the answers that God has given us. And just look at the answers, the proof that we can believe in. Right? Take a step back and look at all the things that God has given us. Like, for instance, this Bible. I'm not even going to open it, but this is how this Bible has come together. I'm not sure if you know. You can write these things down and learn from it, memorize these things. It's not hard. There's kind of three points. Forty authors, right? Forty authors written over 1,500 years. Over three different continents. Forty authors, three continents, 1,500 years. That's crazy. Right? And we still have it today. It has not changed. And there is no internet. So that means like these 40 authors actually didn't know one another. They didn't know one another. They couldn't collude and kind of let's make this story up. They were documenting historical things that were taking place in their time. 40 authors, 1,500 years. That's like writing a book in year 521 and it's just finishing now. 40 authors, no one communicating with one another, and all this while wars are going on, well, there's nations trying to wipe out the people of Israel. There's kings literally taking the scrolls that these prophets were writing and burning them. And people were trying to wipe out the nation of Israel, 400 years of slavery, and it still comes into existence? Like these are, sure, we have questions, but looking back and just looking at that, I don't know what else, what other evidence I need to say, plus all the prophecies that have taken place, hundreds of them like 500 years before the event took place, like specific prophecies. I don't know what else to say about this. This is an amazing book. Why? Because it proclaims it's the word of God. And it will not change. It's here for us to learn from and glean from. There's actually, but I'm, like I said, like, I'm not shocked by disbelief. Like I, I've seen it enough in this land as I've witnessed to people and proclaimed these things to people. I'm not shocked by unbelief. Like we actually have a story in the Gospels that there's uh, one rich man and one poor man here on earth and they both die and the rich man goes to hell and the poor man goes to heaven. And the, and this, the rich man that is now in hell, he's just like, pro, he's like begging 
Abraham to go, can you please send this man to come and touch my lips with a drop of water so I can have some refreshment? Like he's begging for it. And Abraham goes, unfortunately I can't because there's a chasm between you and I, so there's no way that he can get there. So then he goes to Abraham and goes, can you then just send someone back to tell my family about this? This torment that I'm experiencing so that they would believe? And this is Abraham's response in Luke 16, verse 31. He says, if they do not hear Moses, which wrote the first five books of the Bible, and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And that's the case with us. Like we've seen, we've witnessed, not seen in ourselves, but there's more evidence of Jesus' resurrection than Napoleon at Waterloo. There's more evidence, physical evidence, hard evidence of Jesus' resurrection, but yet in our schools we study Napoleon and not Jesus, an historical figure who claims to be God. See, in our Ephesians text, there is a mystery taking place, and I'd even say a miracle if people are coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So our action steps in this text are to hear the word of God, to hear the word of truth, our salvation. That's our part of our action, to listen to it, just to match it up to the things that maybe you believe. And then are you going to believe it or not? It's up to you. So that is the how. That's our action steps. Another word to use is our imperative, our action. The imperative, the second point, is sealed. The action step for the Holy Spirit now is to seal you. This is amazing. Like God's been working, and when we have not been, when we've been running as an enemy of his, he's been working and sealing us uh, when we confess him as Lord and Savior. So when we hear and believe, the Holy Spirit's job is to seal us. In the text it says this, in 13 and a little bit of 14, and in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee. So we're sealed by God the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago we talked about the spiritual possession from the Father. Last week we talked about spiritual possession from the Son. This week is the spiritual possession of the Holy Spirit. So as you hear and believe, there's a seal, a perfect God-like seal upon your life that no one can adjust, crack, or break. Like no one. The seal is perfect. Remember that I said I'll be introducing you to God? Like I've said that a couple times now behind this pulpit. As long as God has me here, I'm going to introduce you to him. Well, the Holy Spirit is God. And it's going to take an eternity to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I asked our community group leaders when we were met on th Thursday, I've asked our staff and our elders too, like where, where do you go when someone comes to you and goes, uh, tell me about the Holy Spirit? And I want to challenge you, like, where would you go if someone told you or asked you, where would you take them if you want to teach them about the Holy Spirit? Well, oftentimes I go to the book of John, and in John it says this in verses 16 and 17. It says, and I will ask the Father. So Jesus will ask the Father, and he, the Father, will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So a few things we learn of the spirit just in these two verses. The spirit is referred to as the helper. Remember a few weeks ago I talked about men and women having different roles and we can't wait to get to Ephesians 5 talking about marriage. 
But men have, they're equal, but yet not the same. They have different roles. And so the man was given the role of leadership. Notice I didn't move my hand up here. Role of leadership, equal, but yet not the same. There's a different role. And the role of leader is to be like Christ, to be a servant leader to their wife. And the wife was given the role of helper. Sound familiar? Helper, to undergird their husband. So essentially we have the same action steps that we are to do to love one another as Christ has loved us. And Christ loved us by giving us the helper to undergird us, to support you, and to, do, and to do this forever. Meaning you cannot lose him, like our text says, he is your seal forever. But it also says that the world is blinded to him for they do not know him. They don't know him. In one sense, if you cannot, can't know him, the opposite is that you can know him. So I encourage you, if you're still wondering who the Holy Spirit is and what he has done for us, then I encourage you to seek it out. Do some research. Find out who your God is so that you might get to know him more. If we keep reading John, we see all kinds of different things, and you can write them down really quickly, but in verse, you can see it on the screen there. Right now. Right now. Next, next slide. Somewhere in there. It's a list. Oh, I think I skipped that, John. See, no, I didn't. Yeah, there it is. So the Holy Spirit, in verse, in jo- this is John chapter 14. He dwells in you, in verse 17. He is knowable. He is truth. He can be seen, the helper. He is sent in Jesus' name by the Father. He teaches all things. He brings to memory the sayings of Jesus. In other texts, he convicts the world of sin. He gives life. He renews us. He gives new birth. He is the comforter. He gives hope. He is wisdom and knowledgeable. He gives access to the Father and he intercedes for us in our prayers. This is just a snapshot of the Holy Spirit and what he does. His role is in the Godhead. As you can see, there is a lot to learn about the Holy Spirit and much more than the list can give. So what is the seal then? Well, a seal, a specific just a seal, is a device or a substance that is used to join two things together so as to prevent them from coming apart or to prevent anything from passing between them. This is easy to comprehend, right? We've all seen seals. The one seal that drives me crazy, maybe you guys can relate to this, but the, the seal in your, in your sprayer of your hose, right? So there's a little rubber seal in there, and so you attach the, the end piece to the, the no, nozzle of your hose. Uh, you end up spraying. When your seal is good, it works beautifully, right? But when that seal starts breaking down, then you get more wet than your grass does or the plants that you're spraying, right? That you're spraying and it's like, it's like, uh, and you just get totally soaked, right? The seal is broken down. Well, the beauty is that we have a God-like seal. God, the, in the Godhead, he is guaranteeing for us, and this is our final and last point, he is guaranteeing us for an inheritance. He is the perfect seal. He seals us for eternity so you can never lose him. And so this is our final point. Our action steps are to hear and to believe. The Holy Spirit's action step is to seal us for eternal inheritance. And that's our third point. So our future inheritance, and this is found in the verse 14 there. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance 
until we acquire possession of it to, to the praise of his glory. Praise his name. He is the seal. He is the, he is the true seal for our guaranteed inheritance. So going back to window or going back to that seal within the, that hose system, that, is bro- that breaks down. Maybe you get like a year or two years out of those little seals. Maybe you get fortunate and you get all kinds of years in those, but I have not. That would be a nice whole, uh, gift, you know, like give me a seal. Um, <clears throat> So the Spirit says he's the guarantee is until Jesus returns and we receive future inheritance. It's not a broken seal. So if someone came up to you and said, uh, talking about the inheritance now, if someone come up to you and asked, like, hey, I have an inheritance for you, what would your question be? Your first question, if I, I've got an inheritance for you, what is it, <laughs> right? Like, what is this inheritance you have for me? That's a great question. Thanks for asking, right? What is, this, what is this inheritance? Well, let's see what we can find in the next few minutes. What the Bible tells us what our inheritance might be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, just some of this. And again, you can do some more study. What is your inheritance? It says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We learn four things of our inheritance really quickly. That it is imperishable. It's imperishable. What we have in Christ is not subject to corruption or decay. It's imperishable, it is undefiled. What we have in Christ is free from anything that would deform, deform, debase, or degrade. It is imperishable, is undefiled, and it is unfading. What we have in Christ is an enduring possession. As creatures of this world, it is hard for us to imagine colors that never fade, excitement that never wanes, or value that never depreciates. But our inheritance is not of this world. Its glorious intensity will never diminish. Like, think about that. Like, when we get to heaven, we'll never get bored of it. But we have a million gods on this world and we constantly run back to them because we think they give us comfort. But they don't. You need to constantly go back to it. It's unfading. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. It is waiting for you in heaven. Your crown of glory has your name on it. Although we enjoy many blessings as children of God here on earth, our true inheritance, our true home is reserved for us in heaven. This is why we mourn differently when death comes to our home. This is why we long for and talk of the next life. Like Christians are a weird people, right? Like we talk about death where the world avoids the conversation. Like I read this uh, uh, secular psychologist and he had a whole page on how to avoid talking about death in the counseling room. Because when you get to that death conversation, you've got nowhere to go so different from a Christian. When we start talking about death, that's where we begin. Can't wait. This is difference. Like in Hebrews 11, verse 10, you see Abraham, his thoughts were written down here in Hebrews 11. It says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. 
can you not wait and to see what God has built? Like we have some really good, talented builders here that can build things. Can you imagine what God can do? Well, we can see it. We can't imagine a little bit because we look at the mountains and the trees and the ocean and the stars and the sun and the moon and he's creating this new thing for us. So church, we, have, we are called to hear and believe in the truth. The Holy Spirit is called to seal us as a guarantee. And God the Father's task is holding on to the inheritance to give us on the day of our true redemption when we get to glory and he's going to hand over the inheritance to you. What an amazing picture that Jesus has done all this for us so that one day when we get to heaven, God the Father is going to look at you and go, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here's your inheritance. It's going to blow you away. That's why we read of things like when we get to heaven, we're literally going to hit our knees and cast our crowns at him because he is so amazing. We don't deserve this. We don't deserve any of it. And that's why, again, we see in the last portion of this text that we're in is the same one we see in verse 3. It's the same one we see in verse 6, in verse 12, and now in verse 14. And it says, oh, for the praise of his glory. So as we enter into time of communion and praise, so band, you can come on back up. As we enter into a time of communion and praise, this is a remembrance of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So as you sing, don't get distracted about the things around you, but remember through looking at the cross of Christ and his redemption for you, his pain of his penalty, we look at the Holy Spirit for him guaranteeing our salvation. We look to the Father for choosing us and adopting us and, and his chosen mystery of his will, his glorious grace is to adopt us and unify us back into the family of God. And this is what we want to image to one another as well. So I want to encourage you to, to look around as you, uh, as you uh, sing and praise the Lord. Look around. Who can you pray for today? We're all in the same church, which means we're a body together, a living body of God. So look around at one another and go, go up to them. And if you make awkward eye contact, then that's probably the one that you're supposed to be praying for this week. And go up to them and say, how can I pray for you this week? And then pray for them this week and love on them. You never know what this ministry might look like if we just started acting the way God has called us to in his scripture. So let's start loving each other in that way, fellowshipping and rejoicing over what God has done through us, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, covering us for, eternal, for eternity. And if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then come and fellowship with us by taking communion, this amazing celebration this thank, in the, on this Thanksgiving weekend to celebrate what God has done for us. And if you have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus, then please refrain from participating. That's totally fine. We're so glad that you're here and a part of this. And if there's something broken between the two of you or between you and someone else in this ministry, go and talk to them, confess with them and say sorry and, and pray for one another in that and then come and celebrate together. Let me pray.
Jesus, I thank you so much for all you've done. Father, I thank you for what you have done, how you've orchestrated all this. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are our seal, that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you reside in us forever, and that you are renewing us from one degree of holiness to the next, reminding us of things that you, Jesus, taught on this earth. Thank you. We praise your name. Amen.